the five blokes. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So long time uh, since we've done an episode, but we are back with the Five Blokes podcast. We have Seth, Nathan, and Evan, and I'll be your host, Nima, this week. So to jump right into it, uh, we'll recap the match day 11 scores. So Southampton edged out Aston Villa 1-0. Crystal Palace uh, edged out Wolves 2-0. Brentford lost 1-2 to Norwich. Uh, Brighton tied Newcastle 1-1. Everton Tottenham 0-0. Leeds United, Leicester 1-1. Arsenal surprisingly won a game for the first time in their life. So Watford Watford did get a red card, but uh, Arsenal happened to win 1-0. Uh, West Ham beat Liverpool 3-2 in a really good game. Manchester United lost disappointingly to Manchester City 2-0. And then Chelsea tied 1-1 to Burnley. So, okay, let's go ahead and jump to it. So a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. Uh, And before we actually get in and digest some of the scores this week, Let's just take a step back and actually talk about like the last few weeks, the trends that we saw. Any of our, you know, first couple of weeks of analysis, has anything changed? So, uh, Evan, I'll go to you first. Uh, thoughts overall about the league? Any team that's surprising you? Any team that's disappointing? We all know Manchester United's been disappointing, but you can leave them out if you want. So go ahead and turn it over to you to start. Yeah. No, there's a lot, been a lot of surprising factors, uh, but a lot of consistent factors. Absolutely, Manchester United has disappointed me, but I won't go into tirade about that. It can be saved for another time. Uh, one of our start of the season podcasts, I said, I think Nuno Espirito Santos was a great signing. So I'm just coming out now and saying, yes, I was completely wrong uh, for Tottenham. I mean, they were top of the league the first three games. They only won one nil, I think, each game. I was like the Wolves players would run through a wall for that guy, Tottenham. He's going to make it do the same. But apparently I was way off on that. Uh, terrible punditry there, terrible analysis. Um, so Tottenham actually surprised me. I thought they'd do a little better. But now they got Conte, who is, uh, for me, a good coach is someone who makes players better. So and Conte's going to do that. So I think Tottenham probably are going on the right path. If you can get Harry Kane firing, it's going to be great. Um, consistency, definitely Chelsea. I said from the start, they're going to win the league. They have the best defense by far. I don't know if you guys saw, Paul Scholes was like, I think Chelsea of the top six has the worst defense. I about just, I, I about lost my mind. I'm like, all right, you can't be paid millions of dollars to say that. Chelsea have only conceded one goal in open play this season in the Premier League. I don't know how you could, like four goals against total. Absolutely best defense. Um, that kind of defense was like 0-4 Mourinho-esque Chelsea with Terry, uh, John Terry, you are going to win a league with that kind of defense, even if you only score one goal a game. And they're getting goals from all over. Wingbacks, Lukaku, I know Vernon and Lukaku are injured right now, but I mean, they got Mal, they got players all over the pitch. So Chelsea, definitely, definitely uh, doing what I thought they would do. Could never count out Man City or Liverpool. Man City's got depth out the wall. So if someone gets injured, they're always there. The best starting 11, though, is probably Liverpool. They work together so well. Everybody knows what they're doing. They press really well, work together. I had a little bit unfortunate today. 
Um, in terms of surprising, another one would be West Ham United. You know, when you got players like Rice, uh, Suchek, your center mid, you're always going to be stable. You know, I never rated David Moyes just because of uh, what he did with Man United, but apparently, I mean, obviously he's doing something right there. They're all playing as a team, which just shows you the fact why Manchester United so awful. They are a bunch of individual players that don't work together, and they have no coach uh, that doesn't know what he's doing. If you saw the game against Man City, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was on the bench while the assistant coach, Mike Phelan, was out there uh, barking orders. In practice, yeah, the assistant coach might run the actual practices the most, but during the, you know, a derby, your head coach should be out there giving it. Um, <clears throat> but overall, other than the fact that West Ham's in the top four, and uh, Man United's is performing way lower than expected. I think everything's going about the same. Yeah, I, I actually have been very impressed with the league as a whole. Obviously, Tottenham is not doing as well as I anticipated, and Nuno had to get fired, but picking up Conte is a really good decision. United has been a disappointment because um, I definitely thought they're a top four team. I don't think they're a top two team. They're definitely third or fourth, but... Um, yeah, was, this is all just a friend of mine said that Lampard is like a good startup CEO. And when you start a startup, like so he just get you to some place and someone was really good at the job takes over. And I think that's the same with Solskjaer. Um, the team I've been very impressed with is, is West Ham, but also Crystal Palace. Um, Crystal Palace has lost two games this season. They've drawn six, but they've lost two and they've beat. Tonham and oh no they lost to Tonham but they beat Liverpool and they also beat um Man City so they've been Wait, very, they, very... Didn't, they didn't beat Liverpool did they oh no no they lost to Liverpool game. sorry 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 they they beat Man City and then they beat mm-hmm. um oh who else they beat that I was very impressed by I can't find it but anyway they've tied way too many games but still they've been more than impressive because I didn't think Patrick Vieira was gonna get them going, especially for the top half of the of the table. And I think they're only five points off Manchester. Actually, yeah, they're only two points off Manchester United. They're um, seven points off top four. So they've been very, very impressive, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to Chelsea, yeah, our attack is on firing like I thought it would, but we're getting goals all over the place, and that's a good thing. But also, when you're playing top clubs like Liverpool and, and City, they kind of press your wing back so you're not getting the same freedom that you would get so that might be a bad thing going into the second half of the season but again we've already played Liverpool and City so there's really not much to be worried by if Man, Man United doesn't fire Solskjaer and still there in three weeks then we'll be lucky to get that win as well um, but yeah overall it's been good Arsenal's been impressive <laughs> weirdly enough <laughs> they've been very impressive Ramsdale had one of the best saves I've ever seen uh, last weekend, that was just, oh, that was so good. Um, but yeah, overall, it's it's shaking out how I thought. I'm not particularly shocked by Brighton's performance because of how they kind of started the season. Um, Everton has been a disappointment, so has Leicester. But, you know, all of that will shake out towards, towards December, especially because we're all teams are going to be playing like six games in December. So um, we'll see. But. It's been, it's been a good season so far. It's it's especially good because Chelsea's the top of the league. <laughs> but we'll see as the season goes on. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea's going to win the league. Um, that's going to happen. There's really no stopping them. I know they're only three points ahead, but, like, 
I th- even though I think Chelsea City and Liverpool probably have like comparable teams, it just feels like Chelsea are just head over heels better than everyone when I watch them play. Like I'm like, there's no flaws. <laughs> I don't feel <laughs> that way. <laughs> and it's so frustrating. They can put Alonso at left back. They can put Chilwell at left back. They'll both score or get an assist, some stupid shit like that. They have Lukaku. Timo Werner will show up and all of a sudden not be offside uh, somehow. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Arsenal unbeaten in the last eight. Just saying. Just saying. Don't know if we can say that about Liverpool. Just saying. Talk your shit. <laughs> and, uh, and then Arsenal will take over Liverpool uh, next week in the table. Um, or, sorry, in two weeks uh, in the table uh, when they play them. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that Tottenham, like, (laughs) I I think that Tottenham actually took Conte off the market because United lost the city. Um, I, I'm pretty convinced that like, if Conte wasn't snatched by Tottenham, Solskjaer would have been gone by now. Um, like it was like almost immediately after United lost the city, it was like, Conte's going to Tottenham. Like nobody else has a chance for him. Um, mean Liverpool? Uh, wait, what? But we just when lost to him today. We lost yeah, yesterday, and they already had Conte. No, no, when they lost to Liverpool 3 0 is, is when was it Liverpool? I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. it was Liverpool. Yeah, my, my apologies. Yeah, Liverpool 5 0. But as soon as that like big loss happened, it was like, oh, Ollie Gunner's probably not gonna make it through the season. And almost immediately after that, Tottenham was like, yo, we gotta get Conte in here because like United is gonna pick him up probably. And I think that probably would have happened if they hadn't gotten him. So I thought that was interesting that like Tottenham jumped the gun so fast. I don't really I kind of feel bad for Nuno. I thought I think he was put in a situation that was pretty awful. I think they should have just sold Harry Kane uh, so that they could have had more of a building couple of years. Uh, and just like had gotten, you know, 200 million for him or whatever it would have been. Um, can you imagine that too? Like, can you imagine like what a different season it would have been if like United had bought Harry Kane? Like if United had bought Harry Kane, Ronaldo would be at City. Uh, Nuno probably wouldn't have gotten fired. Tottenham would probably be in the same spot they're in right now. Um, Ronaldo. So like you would have had Ronaldo at City. Probably you would have had Kane at United. Arsenal probably top of the table. Uh, City would be somewhere. I'm not gonna let you just slide that one in there. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea. Dude, I almost missed it. I almost missed it, mate. Good, and good uh, catch. and really, like it would have been like a very interesting situation uh, if if they had actually just done that. So I, I feel kind of bad for him. I, I think he's put in kind of a terrible situation. One thing I will say is Arteta is doing fine, but I would actually be like to Nate's point like we have a bunch of situations where we have like the manager before the manager like Solskjaer was that manager Lampard was that manager I think Arteta is that manager uh I think Nuno is a legit manager so it'd be interesting to see if Arsenal give him a look if uh if the season doesn't go the way that they want it to um but yeah and then the only other disappointing thing I think is Leicester like four wins four losses for for a team that has the guy who's second place in goal scored with Vardy who's still at the age of what, 50 years old, he's scoring goals, like nobody's business. Um, So yeah, but other than that, I agree that the season's kind of just played out, but like so many things could have been done differently if Tottenham had sold Harry Kane. Um, That's, that's what I think about when I think about the fact that Nuno was fired for the most part. Yeah. And so like, I was wondering, like, has there been any, I guess this is a different topic, but like, has there been any players on teams that have surprised you guys? necessarily yes gallagher on crystal palace i was just about to say that that guy 
Chelsea he's good. He's oh good. my god. <laughs> yeah, I swear. I mean, any no no no. And, hold on. Any player that exists. Number one, you can't claim <laughs> Chelsea players once if since Chelsea just buys and sells like it's obscene out there. Hey, like, he's a Chelsea they, academy no, player on loan. Like, he's a okay, Chelsea player okay, on loan. Right. This is what he does. Oh, he's a loan. <laughs> He's yeah, he's a Chelsea yeah. player. Yeah. Holy shit. Yes, alone, yeah. This is a different story. <laughs> Hold on. You'll you'll hear like it'll be like, oh, you know, I don't know, uh, Julian on this team. It's like he played for Chelsea when he was 12 years old. Then he got <laughs> sold to Crystal Palace, then went to AC Milan, and then eventually ended up back at DVB where he scored that one goal. And it's all because of the coaches at Chelsea that that happened. It's a fundamental set. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also, specifically, this is actually a Chelsea player on loan. Like he's coming back at the end of the season. So. Holy shit, that's that's pretty awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah, mean, I've been okay. I've been impressed. Honestly, like, so long keeps impressing got, me. Even oh, every year. Yeah. Oh, so Chelsea was, player, Chelsea player, I mean, Chelsea I'm, player. Hey, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking Salah's gonna he's gonna drop off. Say. But yeah, I, I think Salah's he's kind of like Robin incarnate. You know, he's going to his left, but you can't stop it. Yeah, yeah. He does yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. where he puts the ball in between his legs, and it's like if you go in for it, it's a penalty. But he's in control. Like it's in between his legs, but it's completely in control. It's I mean, Salah's the best player in the world right Messi, now. Messi did that. Messi does that like crazy. He looks yeah. like Messi on the ball at times. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, he was not this good when he came to Liverpool. Like he was good at scoring goals, but his touch was not this good. I feel like his touch has really improved. And so the way that he like takes players on has changed. It used to be like, yeah, he'd score a lot of goals, but they would mostly be counterattacking goals. Now he picks the ball up and he'll actually make something happen. I think that's more messy like. Um, but to, I want to talk about Chelsea actually because I, I really paid attention while I watched them last, and there's something I want to point out. But it, it's interesting. So uh, when we when we talk about like Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea, so those three, I would say that City and Liverpool are great teams. And so like Liverpool, I think has scored the most goals. I think they have 31 goals. Yeah. Chelsea has 27. West Ham actually has 23. Man City have 22. United have 19. But 31 goals. <laughs> And we actually have a good number of ties and now a loss assigned with our, with our 31 goals. So it's like when we're on and we're playing, I think we're the best team in the league. Honestly, I think we are. The problem is when we play like we did today and we don't come out and actually play, then we, then we either tie or lose. And so the delta of how good you are when you're good, it really doesn't matter how good you are when you're doing really good if you can't win the games that you have to win. I think what Chelsea does really well is even if they're not playing well, they get that one zero win or they get the one, one tie. And I think that's why they're going to win this year. I wouldn't even say necessarily if, if Liverpool are playing at their best, Chelsea at their best, Man City at their best, I actually think City and Liverpool are actually better than Chelsea at their best, but Chelsea is good enough to be consistently better than the other two. Because when they have shit games and, and lose or tie, Chelsea's going to get that win or tie. And so even at their worst, I think they're, so maybe that's the way to say it. Chelsea at their worst this season is going to be better than days when Liverpool and City have their worst games. And I think that's going to be the uh, kind of the deciding factor. But yeah, that's, why, that's why they're winning the league. Yeah, I'm, right. still, I'm still not going to say that, but. 
I am I'm so terrified to say anything. Um, but no, with it pays Chelsea, off though, Nathan. It pays off. You didn't say anything about the Champions League and they won it. Exactly. So I'm just gonna, you know, and enjoy that just it. added to the superstition, honestly. I'm sure. Um, no, I, I think you're right when Chelsea's like really if, if all three teams are the other best, that the other two are definitely better because Chelsea doesn't have Salah and Chelsea doesn't have a De Bruyne. Like it, it just you know, we don't have that, but right. I don't know. Also, in in all honesty, there's been some lucky games. Like we should have sure. lost to Brentford. Like Brentford was sure. playing their, their their absolute best, and they hit the bar twice, and we were just not on that day. Um, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, you can say the same, Nate, about Liverpool that season where we went, you know, undefeated and then won the league and then you know won Champions League. We got lucky a lot too. To be yeah, honest. we got a lot of last minute penalties. You know, just yeah, it's, it does. I mean, that def, it definitely counts for that. I, I'm my worries with Chelsea is like actually integrating Lukaku into the squad. Like we still haven't figured out how to use Lukaku, and I think it sucks because we finally kind of had a game where Lukaku looked really good. And he was playing with Verna up top, and you know, I'm you know, we could say whatever we want about Verna. He wasted. Oh yeah, we can. We can say whatever. Yeah. We want about <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you were about to say, and Verner's so bad, he made Lukaku. Looks. <laughs> they played so well together because Timo is just atrocious. Just atrocious. Horrendous. No, it's just that when Verner's on, because of his pace and how much space like he takes off, like he creates like. A lot of chances for the other players. His runs and, do open up space. You're right. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. I really do think that that um, what's his name? Uh, Tuco wants to play at three five two, um, and so when those two come back, he's definitely going to start both of them. It just it's uh, the injury sucks because I don't know when they're coming back. I think they come back in December, and that just that's not enough time to kind of kick and stride. Maybe you know you, they'll help us drag along, but they're not really going to be. The players that got us to to the finish line so i don't know i'm 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 worried because i i, I i'm worried about how the the two of them would integrate together and also we're just very thin on striking options and if we're playing both of them who's who's behind them is it is it is it um mount or is it have it or is it you know any of the other players it's just a lot and players yeah. are getting unhappy with play time and it's just it's just so much happening so I, I and one more thing i'll point out and then we can move on to some some other topics i just wanted to say really quick the uh, the those three liverpool man city chelsea if you look i think the reason that these teams are so successful and score so many goals they really really use in whatever system in liverpool it's it's a 433 with Chelsea right now, it's the it's the three four three, however you want to call it, or three four two one, whatever you want to call it. Um, they really know how to use the wing backs, left and right back, whatever, really well. And with Chelsea, you know, Reese James, uh, City, Cancelo, and obviously Trent and Robertson at Liverpool, it it really does help when you have wing backs who get up and support because you're you're just you're so much better offensively off if you have people who can then go down the wide then you have an extra player in the box an extra player sitting at the top of the the 18 whatever it is and just you can you can make so much more happen whenever you get those guys involved in the attack and it's clear and and it's no I don't think it's a coincidence that uh if you look at like top assists you know Trent Cancelo and uh Reese James are all up there and Reese James I think has scored some goals a good number four goals four four assists yeah yeah which is yeah. yeah so is that the most anyway 
Yeah, it'll so be it'll be good to see how uh, how those teams progress. But turning our attention to something uh, a little different. So we haven't had a podcast in a while, but during the time where we weren't on, Newcastle actually changed management, and there is a new billionaire in town, and so this is going to shake football up a little bit. And so there is a very famous billionaire who's now acquired Newcastle and yeah, it's just going to be really different uh, going forward with how, how they progress. So Seth, what do you think this means for the league? What do you think it means for Newcastle and how do you see them progressing, especially in terms of players they're going to go after or a coach they're going to go after? Interesting. Uh, well, Socrates once said that when a billionaire takes over your club, you will be successful eventually. Um, and, Except your Arsenal. Well, we don't have a billionaire. Well, we do have a billionaire. It's not a billionaire, like oil guru billionaire. But anyway, and you have to listen to the philosophers when they say things like that. And they're ultimately true. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think it's cool. One, I actually think that it might be good for them to get relegated this year, which it looks like they might. Uh, because that'll give them a whole season in the lower league to basically use the money to improve their club and also to buy young talent with the promise of probably getting promoted next year. Um, but it kind of gives them like some of that RB Leipzig feel, which like it took them like three or four years to get to the Bundesliga, which was probably good for them. And they only got better throughout that whole time. So, um, if they go the billionaire route next year, I don't think that that's necessarily going to hurt them being in the premier league, but like it tampers expectations a little bit if they ended up in the championship division. And I think it would create kind of a better story. Um, ultimately I'm excited by it. I think it'll be super cool to see a team rise to the ranks again. It's going to inevitably happen as long as they get funding, it's going to take them probably 10 years before they win a title, which seems excessive, but it's probably accurate. Uh, they're absolutely going to find uh, a number of managers throughout the way. I don't really know Newcastle's style. Uh, they're going to have to figure that out again in terms of managers. Like, are they going to have, uh, for lack of a better term, are they going to have like a Chelsea style of management? Are they going to have a United style, uh, you know, type of management, Liverpool? Like, are they going to, you know, rotate managers in and out? Are they going to try to stick with someone? Like, what are they going to do? Um, they're probably going to have multiple before they win a title. But I would say that anytime you get an influx of like this amount of money, it inevitably leads to a title contending team. The only thing that is blocking them is the fact that they're not the only ones. It's not like PSG where they're the only ones here with money. Uh, they're basically just another team with money now. So they're, they're just shooting themselves up. It's going to create a bigger division in the league uh, between the top teams and the bottom teams, which some people won't like, and some people will be fine with ultimately if it makes the premier league better for some of those bigger games that I think it'll be interesting it also shakes up like uh what happens in the eventual uh uh what was it called now I can't remember it the super league like what happens with the super league that will inevitably come we've talked about it like it will happen so like is Newcastle gonna find their way into the super league now just because they have money I don't know uh so I don't know I think it's cool I think it's good for the league I uh uh, I, it's, it's bad for some good for others as a viewer. I think it's good for the league. I think Newcastle actually, so they just hired Eddie Howe from Bournemouth, um, who is definitely a project kind of manager. He's, he's done it for Bournemouth twice now where he brought them from, I think he brought Bournemouth from 
fourth tier to the Premier League. So he's a projects kind of manager. I don't think Newcastle has any ambitions of getting relegated, and I don't think they will get relegated. It doesn't look good right now, but Howe is a really good coach. He's actually who I thought Arsenal should have gone after. He's, he's a very, I think he's a good coach. Um, they definitely uh, have a bigger problem in addition to what Seth said about like having multiple teams of money, the other issue is that there's now financial fair play and <laughs> financial fair play in terms of like financial fair play doesn't apply to teams like Man City because they have, you know, lawyers and they have the reputation and UF is corrupt. But Newcastle is now with new money and not the same like pool, like teams like Chelsea and City and Liverpool and things like that. So they're going to have to deal with that. Um, which I think will make their rebuilding process a lot longer because they have to sell as much as they can spend. Um, but I think Newcastle in the next three, four years will, will be a staple in the Premier League. Um, and already rumors about their shopping list is like very ambitious. You know, they have, they, I've heard of, well, I've read that they have Verna and Hazard and they want to get Verona away from United. Like they don't care. They just, they're ready to spend like crazy. Um, so it, it's going to take a, it's going to take some time and also bringing in a, a coach like how is definitely going to help. I always thought that hiring when you like build a team like this and you hire your coach before your technical director, it's always like weird because I think your technical director is probably going to come in with a plan and the technical director they've been looking at is Amanello, who was, who used to be at Chelsea. Um, he's the same guy that kind of mapped out the academy the way it is and and brought in like all the different coaches that we've had but if you're hiring your coach before your technical director and technical director comes in and doesn't want that coach it's kind of weird because then he's gonna find all the ways that he can to get the coach out but again you know you if they can afford to fire a coach and spend whatever it is to keep the new one like it is what it is so I think it's it's going to be a while. It's going to be three, four years before they're like a stable in the Premier League. But this is good for the league. It's, it's it makes it more competitive. It brings it brings a lot more to the table. And now Liverpool is going to actually have to spend money. You know, City's going to obviously keep spending. Chelsea's going to spend. United is going to spend. And we'll see who's good. Yeah, it's absolutely good for the league. Anytime there's more competition, uh, makes makes the league better. Point in case PSG. I mean, they're just themselves every year. In French or legal. Um, in terms of what you said about financial fair play, there, there's financial fair play doesn't matter in the Premier League. It's only when you get to the Champions League is when any of that takes into effect. So they can just absolutely destroy the Premier League uh, with the prices and everything. But I disagree with Seth. They absolutely need to stay in the Premier League this year. I don't think it'll be good for them to move down. There's 24 teams in the championship, and those dudes play a lot of games. And with 24 teams, everybody's – I mean, it's just super competitive. There's no there's no guarantee you're going to make it into the Premier League within the next year, two years, three years. Um, so they absolutely need to do everything they can to stay. In terms of – it will be a project. I don't remember how long it took Man City when they got their new owners until they were just like, oh, God, Man City's the team to be reckoned with. Um, it'll probably be about the same amount of time, just considering they, they were nothing, and then all of a sudden, bam, they're competing every year. Um, if we get to the ethical considerations of this, of a Saudi Arabian who, like a, a government that killed a journalist, obviously that should be 
condemned, but it's not up to the fans uh, to police this. So I think obviously let them buy the league and make the league better. City, city, were, city were purchased in 2008. Then they won the league in 2011. So, yeah, that's that's right. Probably, yeah. But that's yeah, like probably about three years. Yeah, I, uh, that's it's uh, it's going to be a lot longer for Newcastle, though. I mean, it's it's a totally different league than the one that the that city jumped into. I just think the influx of money is is going to hold Newcastle back, even if even if like like I don't know how much money they have billions, obviously, but they're not like they're totally like, different league. They're what just yeah. Like, it's a to- what, what are you talking about? Are you you think yeah, Newcastle the players have changed. Take, but you think Newcastle could win a league and th- could win the league in three years? With what they have today, Man City do it. If, if they got the influx, if they can bring in players just like Man City did, absolutely. Well, Evan, I think to to Seth's point, you have one. You have a much more even league now, right? Even the past few years, even when Liverpool was super dominant, it was City and Liverpool. Now you see City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Let's be fair. United, once they get their shit sorted out, they could be a competitor. And then you have these. City guys. and Liverpool has only been a thing in like the last three years, though. Like, let's not. Like, but what I'm, what like, my, point is, my point nope. is, even, it was always Chelsea, is, Man U, Arsenal. I mean, it was the same teams. Yeah, that Man City yeah comes but in. but every yeah maybe yeah maybe but now that's another over... team to beat. Like that's another t- now they have to beat another team. Like City had to beat let's say three teams exactly. So now Newcastle see, has Newcastle everybody's got to play each other. So everybody's going to lose more points playing each other. teams. Uh, but I see, the, the, the more consistent issue optimistic. is, for me, the more consistent issue is it's it's not clear that there's going to be, so every season there's usually like, a, oh, this person will probably win the league about Christmas time. It's 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 fairly, I wouldn't say clear, but there, there are definitely like, oh, pointers that like these people are going to be the ones, and usually there's one at the top. And I, I will bet you that this year will probably be the most unclear year in recent times uh, because Chelsea, like we've said, has done very well. Uh, They got to keep up their form. Liverpool and Man City are behind. United has a lot to prove. They're going to be coming out. And then you have these teams like West Ham. Who was West Ham last year? But they've really built a solid program. Eh, I don't know. But Yo, Lingard uh, ain't good. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, they're okay. Lingard left, and now they're third. So we can uh, we can talk about that if you want. But and they might be first if Lingard stayed. I mean, yeah, I don't know about that. All day. Okay, I'm not saying Newcastle winning the league in three years. I'm saying if they bring in players like Man City did, and we can, it's not comparing apples to oranges. We can compare like, oh, that's a good player. They brought him in. Man City brought who they bring in? Silva. Um, at the time, Aguero. I mean, if yeah, they bring in. Caliber, yeah, quality caliber players like this. This year doesn't count, so it's going to be four years because you can't bring anybody. Nobody brings in much in January, so it's pretty much a rebuild completely at the start of the end of this year, uh, and that's even assuming they make them stay in the Premier League. I'm not saying they're winning in three years, but if I they mean, bring in the same caliber players, then they're going to be challenging. I mean, you got you gotta, you gotta take into account too. City were like mid table when they got bought by the by their current owners. Newcastle are nineteenth right now. Okay. Yeah, so like, like like who on the current Newcastle roster would stay on that roster? 
Like yeah. that's what I like. John Joe out. Shelby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I think he even, you know, he even I, made like, a joke that he's 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 gonna be no, out Saint like Maxine. Like, Saint Maxine. Saint Maxime. I'm looking at him right player. now. Dude, Saint the, uh, Maxima, Joe Willick, Callum Wilson, probably uh great squad player. Uh, but why don't they just sell those guys? Because they don't have a He's a good enough goalkeeper. Yeah, just because they have like you know billions of dollars doesn't mean they want to necessarily spend billions of dollars. So they probably want to keep some of these guys around. But like again, Steve some Bruce of these... is terrible coach. I mean, a lot of that factors in. Caton Point, Caton Point, Ollie. I mean, I, I just I, think okay. That... If if we want to say that they'd be like challenging for a like a Champions League spot in three years, I'd actually be okay with that. All depending on the moves they make, obviously. Yeah, that's what but I said. Like, Nobody challenged well, for the top. Well, hold on. But we were talking about winning the league. I thought. Indeed, we were. Um, yeah. but it, yeah, but I mean, I those say, are very I don't different. Think they're going to win the league in four years. I'm saying if they bring in players like Man City did, they brought Man City brought in some great players when they got bought. They bring in caliber players just like that, same same concept. Then they're going to be challenging for top four. Let's see. Actually, I'm curious of the transfers that City brought in in that 2008 2009 season, uh, just to see what the caliber actually was. Uh, and they got Pellegrini is one of the best coaches as well. I mean, it, true. And they brought in Robinho at one point, stolen from Chelsea. I'm still upset about that. They but. did. So City, so City on their first year, notably they they bought Robinho from Real Madrid. They bought Joe Joe from Moscow. Uh, <laughs> if anybody remembers that guy, uh, Nigel De Jong from Hamburg. Um, who else they have here? Sean Wright Phillips from Chelsea, actually. Yeah. Uh, yep. They got Zabaleta. Obviously, that didn't stick around. They bought company that year for only $10 million. Uh, so that's Dude, they made moves. a, a great that's... purchase. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it wasn't really until – so that next year is the one where they where they really made moves. So that's that's when they bought they bought Carlos Tevez, Adebayor, Les Scott, uh, Colo Torre, Gareth Barry. Um, and then probably and then if we round out the three years like we're talking about, the, uh, the other – Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, yeah, they got him in 2009. On, oh, no, Colo Torre, I'm sorry. So they got in 2009. Yeah. And then 2010 is when they got Yaya. So 2010 is when they picked up Jekko, Yaya, Balotelli, David Silva, yes. Colorado, guys, guys. James, All right. James Milner, Jerome Boateng. But, that's what I'm saying. If those three so now, seasons, so, if, if Newcastle, I'm not saying they can pull it off, but I'm saying if they do pull off that kind of quality caliber they're, they're, players they're three years yeah. in a row, oh, my goodness. How yeah. do you not challenge? So I think there are multiple factors though. Like Yaya Torre, don't get me wrong. Like this is 10 years ago. So like, I don't know really what the factors would be here. Yaya Torre, 10 years ago, he was a star at Barcelona. If I recall, I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, he might've been struggling. I can't remember, um, but. No, he was good. He was really okay. good. He left because so, of Pep. Okay. So he was purchased by City for $33 million. Jerome Boateng, uh, he probably wasn't really that much of a star at that point. But David Silva, David Silva probably wasn't either. Balotelli was kind of a he was kind of a, a question mark, uh, but he was bought for thirty two million. Like, uh, it, go go out. Like, how much did uh, how much did De Jong get purchased for by by Barcelona? Like, like I don't think matter. The price doesn't matter. No, it does matter. When you have a bill, no. If you look at some of these players, there's these no financial million, play in the Premier League. It only. I'm not saying the there is. League. I'm saying that there's only so much money that this club potentially has to spend over the next three years. Which I know I mean, I'm the one Seth, who always says. Yes, and did you see somebody. what it was? It was more than but, any other club combined. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, I it's more than any other club combined, Seth. Wait, what? <laughs> they you have can pick more all money clubs. Than... Add it. Yeah, um, I think I think actually add it and then multiply it by ten. Is it not? 
<laughs> That's insane. So the, the, the price <laughs> inflation on. doesn't matter. Yeah. Hold on, guys. <laughs> so, so while Seth looks money. up whatever, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my point. Okay. <laughs> so in the 2008-2009 season, uh, Manchester City got tenth. Okay. The season after, Manchester City got fifth, and then if I'm not mistaken, they got third, and then they got first. Okay. So if we apply that same logic, I'm not saying it's going to happen the exact same way, but if we apply that same logic, Newcastle is starting from bottom of the barrel, like bottom three, bottom four, bottom five. So yeah, maybe the first year they're going to get up to, you know, like 15th or 14th or 13th, and then maybe top half, and then maybe, you know, seventh, and then maybe sixth, and then maybe third. And then maybe they can challenge for the title. But I don't care how good you are. You can't flip a switch and go from bro, being 19th bro. to first. There's no way. The Premier League is way too, com- way too competitive. Southampton is 13th in the league right now at 14 points. If they win one game, they're tied with Manchester United at 17 points. Go all the way up to sixth. I mean, and the, the margins are really small there. Yes, I no, know now 19. they are, but but look at the end of the season. They're they're small now because yeah. we've only played yeah. eleven games, I hear you. I hear and, and they have a new coach. So let's Same. like not Newcastle. Yeah, let's not a, yeah they yeah. only got five. They can they can come up. They can come up in. It could be sixteenth. Like it does. That's all they need to be sixteenth or seventeenth, right? To stay in the Premier League, right? Right. If 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 you're playing for Sevilla or Real, Real Sociedad and you're doing really good. Let's take uh, Gerard Moreno, for instance, from Villarreal. Yeah. And they go and they're like, hey, Gerard, we're going to pay 250,000 pounds a week. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he cares about the money more than he cares about Villarreal. He's leaving. That's a really, really good striker. That's a top 15 striker in the world yeah. right now. That's to Newcastle. And then you just add a few pieces here and there. We're not, I don't think, I'm, I'm agreeing with Evan. I don't think they're going to win the league in three or four years, but they're definitely going to be fighting for it. They're going to be a top six club. And... and- that's I don't think I don't to... think Seth and I are, are disagreeing. I think Seth and I are saying like, yes, there's a good chance in three years they could be more competitive and maybe compete for a Champions League spot. But I think the original argument was like, like winning the league one, and then two, it, I don't think they're going to be able to do it as quickly as City did because even though City did it in three years, the league is a different place now, mm-hmm. and every team, any team can beat any team. So like Burnley tied Chelsea today. West Ham beat Liverpool. Like that wasn't happening when City got bought. City beat Man U. Well, and everyone expected that. So that's that's the point in your favor. (laughs) And City beat. I I agree what you're saying, but those Uh, those trends of of teams beating top. Like City beat. City was the only team that beat Chelsea in 2005 to prevent them from being invincible. So like that's not a new thing. That 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 happens all the right. time. I agree. But I team- think I think normally it's like a one one team kind of thing. And I think what Seth and I are saying, like you have multiple teams that are able to have but, those kinds of but runs now. But that doesn't yeah. doesn't that help the argument that it makes it yes, it does. actually you, more Paul. possible no, for no, Newcastle because, to absolutely. challenge because everyone's beating everybody. Will drop more points, man. You yeah. so, more no, points. Man City will no, drop more points. No, because yes. it's it's the opposite of the argument. Because if you think about it everybody's more competitive now. So you pushing in money to a club is going to make that less efficient than if less, less competition was driving the league. So now there's more competition. And so changes that you make are less effective because anybody can beat anybody. And so 
before it was you push money in, okay, you're going to see immediate results because the, the quality of the league was lower. Now that the quality of the league is higher, you push in money. It's going to take time and energy and effort, and it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. Look at United. They have Ronaldo. They have all these fantastic players. That's they can't they play bad together, coach. and they keep yeah. winning. It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter. It, it matters. It's the, overall, matters. the overall coach point, matters. the overall – of course it matters. I'm saying the overall point – is you can't just throw players together and push them out. They need time. They need a good yes, coach. You're they right. need all yeah. these things. And, 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 and so there's and, that's what I said. Man City and, got Pellegrini. I don't. Yep. I didn't say Newcastle. And, how, and, and Mancini yeah. after that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, if, yeah. Listen, all you're saying, we agree with all you're saying. What we're saying is that Newcastle probably doesn't care about firing their coach every season if if they it means they're gonna win. If they take the Chelsea model, for instance, and they're like, hey. We hired this guy. It didn't work out. Get out. We're going to go get Conte. Oh, it doesn't work. Get out. Let's go get Guardiola. Like they don't, if they don't care about that and they have a good structure that gets the right transfers, they will be challenging for the league. And if you have money, you could get all those things. You just have to make good decisions. It doesn't. I, I, I agree. And I think yeah. Seth also agrees. I think we're just saying it will be harder for Newcastle than it was for City. That's it. Yeah, probably I, marginally. Yeah, but I look, do, but uh, in four years, <laughs> look, in four years, Salah's not going to be what he is. Mane's yeah. not going to be what it is. Firmino's not going to be what he is. I and mean, Klopp, get Klopp is not going to be at Liverpool anymore. So that's something. To, so there's going to be a lot of switching going on. Yep. At, De Bruyne sure. is not going to. De Bruyne yet is one of the best players in the world. But if he was athletic, he would have been better than Messi three years ago. <laughs> so him another four years, he's going to be walking on uh with a, with a cane. <laughs> the rate he's going so so I mean, we so, agree we agree so everybody so I, feel like we all, I think i think we all aggressively agree <laughs> but i do have the uh i do have the numbers um uh i do have the numbers so uh uh the number one yeah the number one wealthiest club in the world right now or the wealthiest i want to be very clear to say this so the the club that has the wealthiest ownership is okay. newcastle at 320 billion dollars billion euro actually sorry so that's like roughly that is what, insane. Four, that's like that's like what 460 billion dollars something like that um so but the reason i say ownership is they are owned like of these top owners they are the only one that is owned by like a collective organization and a yeah. business rather than being owned by an individual so like oh, no liverpool's owned by fenway well, okay, I'm looking at the top ten of right here okay. of in the world. In the world, like of these people in the world, uh, it's it it goes Newcastle, City, uh, RB Leipzig, Juventus, Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim surprisingly, uh, Chelsea, LA Galaxy, Arsenal, PSG, and then Inter. But the other nine are owned by individuals, whereas Newcastle is owned by a collective. So this is like saying, like, I mean, for lack of better terms, it really feels like it's like saying Amazon bought a club, and now that club is worth a trillion dollars. It's like uh, so I, Amazon, I don't know if Amazon is... may not be investing a trillion dollars into this club. In you know what club, I mean? Yeah. So like, so it's very unclear to me, like how much of this, it, they probably have plenty of money to do what they need to do, but it'd be very unclear to me to know how much of that is actually going towards the club and how much of that is just like part Seth, of their firm. Seth, what did you say was number two? Uh, city with they oh they yeah, they sorry. uh they are they are definitely it, they they have ten times the net worth more than ten they have about one point uh, they have about <laughs> uh, fif- about fifteen times the net worth of city so like that is fucking insane. No, but who's probably no, is city an individual or a group city is the the Sheikh Mansour that's what it's listed as I mean I'm I'm on so one individual website. I yeah I didn't exactly like look this up I believe the city is owned by like this dude but he's got family money so I don't know what that means. 
Um, but but every other person is just a name on this list, uh, which no, I mean, Seth, they're they're all owned they're all owned by businesses because that's it's cheaper to do it that way because you can write off your taxes. But that guy, the the Saudi Arabian billionaire, that's all his money. That group, that that group is all his money. The public investment fund group. Yeah, the, the public yeah, investment. Fund. That's his money. So it's it's essentially like Jeff Bezos starting like a firm, throwing in like a hundred billion dollars, and then buying, you know, some some football team with with that money. It's not it's not like a publicly traded company. It's it's just a it's a fund no, I, for his I, money essentially. Oh, I thought it was the country's fund because that's what's no, no, no. no, 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 no. Interesting. It's a it's it's just like a private company. It's just called that to make it, I guess, I don't know, seem like the public investment fund, like, right? Or maybe it is, maybe I'm it is, it but I mean, I'm at this point, we, we might, the, we might get into so it's the, politics. No, nah, I mean, whatever. It's, it's the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi. Oh, Arabia. so it is. Yeah. Oh, it so is. it's, yeah, okay. it's a country, the country's money. They're diversifying their portfolios. So they look a little better going back to the to the Khashoggi thing. That's actually one of the main reasons why they're doing this. So people shift their attention from that, which, you know, it's a whole thing. And you know. oh yeah, gosh. but uh, again, if that's their portfolio, like it, like saying that they have $320 billion to spend on Newcastle is not accurate. Like that is no, not true, what actually. they have. And so, so there's a lot of might have, yeah, theory. they still might have $50 billion to spend on it, which still doubles what City have technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's but my like, new point. Well, we don't know. Maybe it's not fifty billion, but I, 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 it's it's unclear. They're going to put I mean, money into it, Seth. That's all. I don't know, well, Evan. I don't well, know. They're certainly going to put money, but is is it the question of like X or like hundred X or ten X? We don't know. And I guess we'll put just enough, have to wait. And to be see. fair, yeah, well, it's a question they're, they're going to do. It. They're going to put enough right. to compete. They're going to put enough to compete and for sure. Or they're going to dump the club in a year if it doesn't work out. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But... Um, okay. So before we move on and look at some actual players, well, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and do that. So like pushing forward, there have been a lot of transfers, and uh, we had an episode talking about the transfers and you know potentially how they they would do and if they were on the right team. And so some of these, you know, Lukaku is a big one, uh, Sancho, Ronaldo. Um, and so I'm going to start with Evan. Um, and so I want you to reflect Evan and give your thoughts on some of the transfers specifically at United, and then we'll bounce around and others can give their thoughts. Yeah. So at the start of the season, obviously, um, elate, elated Ronaldo's coming back. I didn't get to watch him play, uh, when he was first at United, just cause one, we were in America Two. As a young kid, I played soccer, but I didn't watch it as much as I should have or, you know, have the passion for now. But um, so it was absolutely awesome to get the team come back. And he's got nine goals in 12 games. I mean, that's a great return. However, you know, can you say to Ronaldo, the answer is yes, but can you say to Ronaldo, like, listen, dude, you're 36, turning 37 in February. There's only one way you can play. Uh, we have to play – everybody else has to pick up more work just because you can't cover enough field and everything. However, when you get an opportunity to score, you usually do score. So you're going to get us a lot of goals, which he already did. Um, but there's some teams, case in point, like Man City, he probably shouldn't have played that game. We should have probably had, you know, a 4-3-3 with three youngsters of Greenwood, Martial, Sancho uh, attacking uh, with pace and on the counterattack. 
Uh, Ronaldo can't do the counterattack. Um, so a player has to be a player can't be bigger than the club. But in terms, you know, he's provided a ton of excitement this year. Um, just that just shows what the manager needs to do in terms of being ruthless in the fact like, listen, Ronaldo, you're 36. You have to recognize where you are at the stage of your career and where we need to play you win. Um, with that being said, though, you know, I still love that he's here. It's awesome. It's great for it's great for probably the Premier League more than Man United at this point. But all he needs to change, but that's for a different topic. Sancho, we haven't seen him that much. He's played seven games, but most of them in the Premier League, but most of them have been um, substitutions. So, I mean, how much can you affect the game with 20 minutes in, 15 minutes in? Not much. Um, Veron, I think Veron, when Veron's in, he's an absolute beast. He stabilizes the whole defense. Everybody just feels more comfortable with him there. It's like, all right, we got Veron back here. If a center mid makes a mistake, just pick any center mid. They're like, all right, we got Veron. Excuse me, we got Veron to cover us. Um, McGuire, you know, he's our captain. Can you say he's a leader? I don't know. Um, he's, he's not showing the leadership qualities right now. Uh, when Veron's there, he plays better. I mean, it's just, it's just, you feel more comfortable. Just like when you have a good goalie in the back, you're like, all right, you know, if we mess up, we have day in the back. Uh, Veron stabilizes the whole pitch, just like, you know, having, having someone a good, um, absolute amazing. One of the best summer transfers you got to say, just in terms of name, name recognition and who you're bringing in and at what age. I mean, Ron's only 28 as a center back. He can play till 35. Sancho, he's only 22 as a right wing. He'll be playing forever. Um, so you would like to think absolutely amazing transfer window. We haven't performed as well as we should, but that has to fall on Ollie. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's like multiple parts of this United thing. I think a main thing to know is going back to what said, uh, Evan said about like players being bigger than the club. The club's always bigger than the players. And that should always be taken into consideration when you have the player and when you don't have them. And as fans, we let nostal like nostalgia just like make a lot of our decisions. You know, United fans obviously love Ronaldo for everything he did for them. And, you know, Chelsea fans love Lampard and and they love Hazard like is Hazard a good player to come back right now no like that's not that's gonna mess up the entire project but do I want him to wear a Chelsea jersey again yes so <laughs> buying him right now is a terrible idea and I think buying Ronaldo especially after they got Sancho was such a horrible idea because now you have to figure out that that three behind your lone striker and that's that's like a big problem um Ronaldo, even though he's playing centrally, still likes to drift. And because of how he plays, you need certain players to complement that. And then Sancho came in. He had a couple bad runs of games, which, you know, set him back. And the kid's young. He's still in the development phase. Like, he has the same issues that Pulisic has for Chelsea. It's like, this guy is good enough, but he's still developing. So do you give him all the playing time or do you go out to win the games? So there's that. The second part is the whole, you know, interim coach player, like the, the transitional coach thing. Sosha definitely has to go. I want him to stay forever, <laughs> but that's not good for that's not good for United at all. I think at some point you got to start looking at your options. I know 
Evan isn't too keen about Zidane, but I like him as a coach. Um, if anything, I think the Ajax coach would be probably be the best option for United. Absolutely. But, but yeah. he is not leaving. <laughs> he's not leaving. I don't know. Manchester calls? Absolutely. I don't know, Dude, He's man. done a lot at Ajax. He got to the – he should have went to the final of the Champions League, but he got to the semifinal. He's killing it right now in the Champions League. Um for their group, I think are they top of their group. I think they're top of their group. Yeah, they, but would you um, leave like a cool and, environment to jump into fire? Like I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a really big jump and an unnecessary yeah. jump right now. Yeah, for his like career, he's, honestly, That's he's a, a legend at Ajax. He could have the whole like yeah. uh, uh, Sir Alex thing at Ajax. Like he could just stay forever. It's just, the like, natural tendency of anyone to go on to better things. You always want to but go. The, the problem is the Evan. The problem is like take Nuno. He left, went to Spurs, got yeah. fired after like three months yeah. because he jumped too early. Yeah. And so there's got, always that. Yeah, you got to wait yeah. till the United course, board is figured out. Everything, of course, of course. Um, but we tend to give you other than Moyes, we give you <laughs> we we give you time to you know, do something. Yeah. That dude would probably sign a contract at United worth more money for him to be there for like ten games and get fired <laughs> than like. Than two seasons at Ajax. Yeah, so like, exactly. Dude, he would have more than enough money last year. to, to do what he does. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 So these contracts, like money, well, I mean, it's all up to them, obviously, like if they want to manage a team, but like money is not going to be a problem for them. Uh, yeah. They're going to, they're going to get their money. But yeah. United just, their main, their main issue, obviously it stems from the head with the whole, like how the board signs players and things like that, but also, so shy is just way out of his league. I was watching this um, Sky Sports panel with with Gary Neville and uh, um, what's the name of the Liverpool legend, the defender? Carragher. Carragher was just like enjoying the whole thing. It was right after the Liverpool game. And he was just like elated and just like making jokes and Neville was losing his mind. But, you know, the entire argument came down to like, so like when you mentioned Tuchel and you mentioned Pep and you mentioned Klopp, like Solskjaer does not belong in that conversation. He is mm-hmm. way out of his league. Um, and no it's way, not, no, it's not, either. yeah, it's not because he's yeah. a terrible coach. He just hasn't done it long enough with like that. He doesn't have the experience to be there. You know, maybe 10 years from now, you can mention him amongst those guys, but like right now, he doesn't belong in that lack, conversation. No, you'll never uh, mention lack, him. Lack, of ex- lack of experience does not give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they are a terrible coach, maybe with experience. <laughs> Maybe with experience, they will be a good coach. But right now, <laughs> they are a terrible coach. And that is... Uh, Fair enough. You cannot give them the benefit of the doubt because they are young. Arteta, also not a very good coach. Uh, Fair enough. We will see if that pans out later. But back on the transfer front, to brag a little bit here, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that Arsenal did incredible business this summer, and none of you can talk any shit about it. Uh, ben White, Martin Odegaard, Ramsdale, Tamiyasu, and Lakongo, all younger than 23 years old, all now starters on this team. God, he's uh, he's in fourth all, place and he's he's and, out of control. Hey, but that's man. that's way better for them than it would, yeah. Nima. Dude, this is an overachievement. One winger dude and, for 70 years, fourth place. And all young and all starters in the league now. Uh, the best signing, the best short-term signing in the league was Ronaldo. There's no doubt about that. Um, the best long-term signing in the league, I think is, well, let's say five-year signing is probably Lukaku. Um, he'll figure it out. Um, I, I have no doubt about that, but if I say one person that has surprised me 
it is an Arsenal signing. And I don't know if you guys have watched these Arsenal games, but the ones that I have watched, this Lukongo guy, this this CDM uh, Lukongo from Anderlecht, this Belgian dude. Oh my God. He's He's so good. good. He's really good. He's so good. He is like, he's like a little, he's like a little version of N'Golo Kante, like running around, hurting people. He would be a little version of Kante. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like a little, like he plays, he plays like Kante does though. He's like, he's running around, he's making tackles, he plays the ball around. He takes really stupid shots sometimes, but he's 21 (laughs) years old. We're going to let him, we're going to give him a pass on that one. But I like that kid and he is like. He's officially taken Granit Xhaka's spot in the starting lineup, which I am forever thankful the captain. for. And, uh, and so him alone has surprised me quite a lot. Uh, I haven't followed a lot of the other like, young signings that have been made. Like I didn't really follow Deka at Leicester. I didn't follow some of the other signings that were made that were like, I think Damari Gray went somewhere. I can't remember, but uh, I haven't really followed a lot of the other young signings, but Lukanga has been my my favorite like young. We went from talking about Ronaldo and Lukaku to talking about <laughs> Lukanga and Ben White. I just want everyone yeah. to realize where that conversation. Yeah, that had to bring in there. How does he start wrong? My point. Yeah. Look at that. is definitely a better co- considered a good coach compared to Ollie. He was willing. Oh, anybody considered a good coach compared to Ollie? <laughs> okay, yeah, but look, yeah, but Arteta wasn't doing it. Everybody agreed Arteta was like, oh, yeah, man, Arteta was, was not great. But look, he benched his captain. For this yep. new dude, yep, he benched oh, yeah. Zaka for this new dude, yep. and we're we're keeping Maguire on the pitch, yep. and he's he's direct involvement of like twelve goals, yeah, the cause of it, yeah, yeah no, I, I agree, it's... guys. Ollie Gunner's bad. I already went through that, <laughs> and and although Arteta may be doing better this season, like Arteta's in a very different situation than Ollie Gunner is. Like Ollie Gunner has to take superstar players and try to win a title. Arteta is basically just has to make to top, top six. Yeah, yeah just has try to, to get top like tops. Like those are two very different expectations. Like yeah. if Arteta was trying to win a league, and these are the signings that he made last summer, people would have shit all over. He would him. have been fired. So, right now. Yeah. So like, I think it's a very different situation. But again, I still think both Arsenal and United have the manager before the manager right now. So yeah, no, uh, and and quite honestly, bad. let's give Ole some some credit for what he did after the Marino years, like he really definitely stabilized the team but i do think it's the building like the transitional kind of thing like he's just in a transition and that's at this point united has to make the decision between do we want to be a top six club or do we want to win the league that's just the decision on the table if you want to win the league ole gotta go if you want to be top six top eight sure this is perfectly fine ole is going to keep you afloat he's going to win the random game against Chelsea or random Top game against Tottenham. Top never be the, <laughs> the criteria for Man But that's United. what it may be, Evan. But that was what it may be. Look at that roster. That should not be. <laughs> Nate, you already said it best with uh, the Lampard and the starter CEO right yeah. there. It, yeah. it, it got you to where you needed to be. Yep. Now you got to get the see, yeah. Move on. I, I think, I think the, the very important – takeaway is a lot of startups fail because they have their you know technical ceo so you have a technical company that's formed the technical ceo stays too long and the growth ceo doesn't come in soon enough and the company fails so now it's up to the board to actually pick the right moment to make that transition happen if they don't then i think things are going to get really bad for united yeah well we're on a international break which by the way sucks yeah Um, international break i hate international break but it's a great time to fire a coach and bring in someone else. It is and it isn't because all your good players it's are gone. It's a great time playing. to fire a coach. 
Right before all Thanksgiving, are it's a great time. I guess, I guess they, don't, uh, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it's they a good time. Uh, means that's nothing. Hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, man. It's, I mean, you know, I think I think United with, with their track record and with the legends, like at this point, you, you're kind of sensing the legends, like changing their opinions about Ole. That's going to play yeah, in. Yeah, it's, yeah, I can't badmouth any of the three of you because you're my friends. Like, I would never say, like, oh, he needs more time. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. But deep down, they know he needs to be fired. They just can't say that. They're, like, yeah. they're like drinking to... They're like drinking in a bar, talking shit, and then, like, Ole walks in, and they're like, oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ole, hey, come here. We got a pint for you. Come on, come on. Hey, yeah. I, no, I, that I'll lost tell you a little what, Five mil, no big deal, man. Yeah, shrug that one right off. Terrible referee in that game. I think, that I think the Do United I Legends... <laughs> The United legend Skulls, Neville, they are so harsh on on the United players. Pogba, man, they really are. Dude. They tear their they asses tear up, them up. Man. It's insane. They, they oh come God. from a but they come from a, a a world where it was a player's game. I feel like like don't get me wrong, Sir Alex Ferguson was a beast, but like I feel like they come from a player's mindset of like they're the players like they own the team yeah the mm-hmm. manager puts them out there but like the players own the wins and losses you should be proud to wear they... this jersey yeah, yeah. Well, why, is it, <laughs> why is it united players only because the the liverpool players aren't like that. because they were yeah, fortunate the, in the 90s liverpool players for... aren't because liverpool players aren't pundits <laughs> except james carragher except carragher except carragher yeah, that's the yeah. only one bro but, but, but no, i think it's funny because Arsenal literally gary Neville is sitting next to Gary and Neville is. Li- what are they gonna say, Seth? Like, oh, this Arsenal player is bad. They're all fucking bad. <laughs> they do say that. They do say that. They say that all. Well, the yeah, time. because they are. I agree They're with bad them all the time. I think okay, it's but- really funny because Neville will be sitting next to Carragher talking about how like terrible Fernandez or Pogba's like. What did he call him? He called him a fairy or something like a, a few games ago. And Carragher's just like, yep, and just never says any. Like he'll be harsh on some of the players, but it's in a way that is like, oh, they can do better. I know they can do better. Dude, Skull said something like Pogba runs around like he's in a lost little fairy tale or something like that. I was like, jeez, man. Why? Why? I think like, it's the you... 90s thing, dude. The not 92 yeah. class like went through hell. Like, if you read the stories about what Sir Alex had them doing, like those guys, they're broken. That's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, they got 13 Premier Leagues for it. Okay. And so kind of as like the last thing before the lightning round, we can talk really briefly about, you know, sometimes players get traded around and it's not always the best thing. Uh, Case in point, uh, Messi at PSG. So Nate, you want to start off this one and tell us your thoughts with how that's going? Yeah. I feel like that PSG team was already really, really good. And sometimes when you bring in a new player with Messi, everything that I'm reading and seeing is that he's okay with, whatever the role they give them, but Messi is not a player that comes off the bench. Um, so you can't bring Messi off the bench, but also um, you still have Neymar and you still have Mbappe and you still have De Maria really um, to play with. So you're fitting four players into three pieces. Most of the time, De Maria is off the, is off the bench, but the Neymar-Messi <clears throat> combination on either side of Mbappe doesn't necessarily work because Neymar have started playing like Messi in terms of dropping deep and taking the ball up and making things happen. And that's what Messi has always done. So now you have a kind of unbalanced attack in the sense that you have both your wingers too deep into the, the midfield. 
so it's not working out. Um, but yeah, signing players doesn't always solve your problems, and and I think PSG is an indication of that. They're gonna win the league on, but they were gonna win it without Messi anyway. But I don't think they win the the, the Champions League because it's just it's it's not fitting together. And then you still have Icardi on the bench, who's extremely unhappy. That's a player that Newcastle could go get. <laughs> He's like extremely unhappy. So he, yeah. He he wants to leave. Um, it's it's just a lot, and and I feel for his wife Posh, is too. Yeah, his wife, his wife hates his wife hates them so much. But Poch, Poch, I feel bad for Poch because he I wish he stayed at Tottenham. Like that PSG job is not a good job. Like Tuco didn't like it. He doesn't like it. Whoever was there before Tuco didn't like it either. Like it's just not a fun job. Especially because you have Neymar who apparently has so much control over the club and like just makes all the decisions for them. Like that's not a fun job. So yeah, signing signing new players doesn't always solve your problems. United is also an indication of that. Funny enough, it's. Really I, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you say just to talk about PSG for a second? Nate, wouldn't you say bringing in Messi and not winning Champions League is a that's a loss, right? Oh, that's yeah, the whole point sure. is there, right? Oh, for sure, they're not. I mean, yeah, if they don't win the Champions League, it's a failure. That the season is a failure. <laughs> they've said that. They've said that every year since they bought Neymar. Like, oh, that they bought Neymar. True. They bought Neymar. Losing in the Champions League is a failure. They bought Mbappe. Losing in the Champions League would be a failure. They got Di Maria and Icardi, and they had Cavani. Like, losing in the Champions League is a failure. Like, every season they purchase somebody, and they've been like, damn, this team looks pretty good, guys. Like, why are we still losing? So, yeah. I, it, it's, it's been a failure for them since, like, they bought Neymar. Maybe when they bought Neymar, they weren't at a point yet where, like, Champions League was the expectation. I think they probably were because it was like Neymar's prime, but uh, it's basically been every year since then, like losing, like not winning the Champions League is a failed season for them. Right. That is true. And what's, it, it's foreshadowing for Newcastle. Don't buy a bunch of individual players that you can't coach and they're just yeah. going to do whatever they want. Buy a yeah. team. Buy you a hear team. that, Eddie Howe? You hear that? You listening <laughs> to the five blokes? Yeah. That's Damn very right true. Is. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. Pochettino can't tell them what they, he's going to tell Messi, Neymar, Mbappe what to do. Yeah. I mean, out of the field. They don't. I don't actually, think any coach can. That's the problem. That's the problem. They don't actually look like they have any organization. I mentioned this in the group chat. Every single game, or really only highlights, because I don't even know how we watch Liga on games. Every single game I've seen highlights for of this team, like it doesn't actually suit Messi's style of play. Like if you think about mm-hmm. Messi, his whole career, it's been this tiki taka like style of play, like get the ball up the field and then he has the ability to take the ball and do something magical with it if he needs to. But like, that's never been like his first option. It's always been like knock the ball around, you know, and, and finish the shot. And even his goals in the champions league, that's what he's done. Like it's, it's been uh, like for PSG, his champions league goals have been like knock the ball around. Then either you have an open net or he like, he finished like a, I think he had a free kick goal. And then I think he also had uh, like, like one time finish with his left foot to like the far post, like when somebody gave it to him at the top of the D or something like that. But it's all this like tiki taka stuff. And but like, it's tiki taka centered around him, right? It's like he plays no, the ball, no, makes it and gets no, it back. You know, not what necessarily. I mean? Not when he played for Barcelona. I think like that, like when it was Barcelona, Suarez, and Neymar. I think any any three of them could have been the finisher. And it, but but it was just like that was the collective understanding of the team from the center mids to the forwards. Like to get the ball up the field, you move the ball around, and then even when you get to the final third, like that's when you get creative with it. But like this team with PSG watch any highlights they're just kicking the ball and running like that's really what they do like they're just kicking the ball up the field Neymar and Mbappe are up there sometimes it's messy but like for the most part it's this kick and run and it wasn't until this year where I saw like I cannot believe how fast 
Kylian Mbappe is. It yeah. is unfair how fast that guy is. And like, there's no stopping him. And so that's like their style of play. And I just don't think that it fits with Messi's kind of, it doesn't fit with Messi as a right wing. If he played as like a cam in behind the striker, which I think is where Neymar's been playing recently for them more than on the left, then like maybe then he can create more chances more than actually like take chances. But like, it just feels like this team isn't built for, for Messi's previous style of play. And so I yeah. think it's going to be a struggle for him. Yeah, and I think like PSG is also thinking about going back to the signings thing, right? They brought Gigi in, who is a pretty good center mid. But now if you're going to play Messi at Cam, that means you're going to sacrifice one more midfielder. So let's say you play Messi at Cam, you're playing De Maria at right wing, and you're playing Neymar at left wing, you're playing Mbappe up top. That's four attackers right there. So you only have room for two more midfielders unless you want to play three defenders. So if you're playing two more midfielders, you're picking between Gigi, um, Verratti and Gaia, but they, they, Gaia or Ghana, one of them, but he, they want a very defensive minded guy. So they definitely pick in one of those guys, Gaia or Ghana, whichever one, everyone is there. And are you going to bench Verratti for Gigi? No. So now you're keeping Verratti. And then they're like, oh, wait, we spent so much money on this guy. We can't just put him on the bench. It's just all of that that's combining. But I mean, picking up Hik- Hakimi and, um, Ramos with two really good decisions. I think Ramos has missed like six weeks so far. So that's been an issue. But when Ramos comes, their defense is going to be set. They just have to focus on how to, you know, blend the midfield with the offense. I, I do think they should play a Messi at camp. That would be the best decision to play Messi at camp where he's in yeah, the middle and kind of drifts off to the either side. But we'll see. I mean, Poch is a smart enough coach who figure it out. I just don't think it was a good job still. He, he, should, he should leave. Maybe United, you know, Pacha United. That would be a good. I can almost see. Uh, honestly. Yeah, I'd take him. Yeah, definitely. I, honestly, definitely yeah, if we keep Oli till the end of the year, Pacha is probably top of the list. Yeah. I hope Poch. you keep Oli till the end of the year. That would be a dream come true. <laughs> I hope you keep Oli till the year, end of the just decade. Forever. <laughs> forever. Just, just give him a lifelong contract. <laughs> keep Oli forever. Yeah. We still good. we still make you guys afraid. It's good to know. <laughs> Even with Ollie at the wheel. Yeah. Well. Okay. So to kind of to kind of wrap things up, uh, you know, we're all fans of different teams, and it's interesting how you know we're all none of us have the same team, and there's no I don't think specific reason. So let's just go around, kind of on a lightning round, and end on a lighter note, um, and go ahead and say how you know we became fans of the teams that we support. And so uh, Nate, I'll go to you first. How did you become a Chelsea fan? Uh, I became a Chelsea fan actually in 2003, 2004, or it was the year, the year that Arsenal won the league was when I became a Chelsea fan. Um, nice <laughs> that you can say the year that Arsenal won, that one year. <laughs> well, the following, the following year, Chelsea won the league, which is what I imagine he's about to get at. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea won the league the following year, uh, and, um, yeah, Arsenal was, yeah, that was the invincible season. Um, I became a Chelsea fan. Up until that point, I didn't really have a team, and I just watched the Premier League with my dad. Um, and he, you know, he loved Andy Cole and Dwight York. So he would talk about United all the time. Um, those two guys were just so good. Uh, but I, I hadn't picked a team yet. I just watched it for for watching it. And then 
I don't know. I like Chelsea because of of the London connection. I have a lot of family in London, and I I felt like a London club would be more suited. I, I have absolutely no idea why I didn't pick Arsenal, to be honest. And that might be the best decision I've ever made, but I don't know why. Future you is like, <laughs> you will be unhappy for the next 10 years, Nathan. <laughs> so I just, I became a Chelsea fan because of the, the London connection. And, and then luckily enough, the next season, Chelsea won the league. And it's been it's been good at least a trophy every year since. So it's it's been good vibes. Uh let's see. How did I become the Arsenal bloke? Uh it's actually very easy. Also, I want to shout out uh this was actually Liam's question, my younger brother. He wanted us to uh, answer this. And so I figure on our on our comeback podcast, we haven't recorded in probably months at this point. This would be an easy one to kick off with. Um <clears throat> my my reasoning for being an Arsenal fan is really awful. Uh, it's a terrible story. Uh, basically, the first game, uh, you guys might know this actually, uh, but the first FIFA game I ever got was FIFA 09. Yep, Nima knows it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I was sitting, I got it for Christmas. My oldest brother was in the room with me. I, I had just put it into my Xbox and I, it, it said, pick your favorite team like it does when you boot up the game. And I was like, oh, who, who should my favorite team be? And Arsenal was the top of the alphabet. Uh, it was a four and a half star team at the time. And, uh, and so it was the very first one on screen. And my brother was like, that team seems pretty good. And I was like, you're right. And, uh, and so that was my team. And uh, to be fair, <laughs> although that's a really shitty reason to have that as my favorite team, I have stuck with them now for more than 10 years. So I think it is a, uh, a fair fandom, even though I don't have any kind of a... Uh, better story than that behind it but that is uh and i played fifa pretty religiously for about 10 years before i realized it was a total shit game um and uh and uh and that's uh that's it that's how why i'm the arsenal bloke hating on the, fifa that, hating on fifa that's the root that of uh, brought to you by piss yes yeah. that's uh that's the root of all of my uh uh all of my problems today is that one decision i made more than 10 years ago so yeah that's me yeah. yeah, I'm a Manchester United fan. So a lot of amazing players obviously have come through Manchester United. Also a lot of the players on your all's respective teams. Um, however, I just felt I was a, I don't know, just, you know, you kind of think of me as a bandwagon, I guess. But the one player that stuck out to me, which probably nobody else would pick, I just thought he was so technical. And he wasn't very fast. He didn't hustle. But I was just like, man, this guy's awesome, and he always scores. Dimitar Berbatov. I thought this guy was the coolest striker ever. And for some reason, I was just like, you know what, man, United's my team. And I, I started watching United after the Sir Alex Ferguson era, so I wasn't even uh, jumping in on the bandwagon per se. I know they have the most, you know, the most decorated, but um, I came in after the fact. So uh, and it was all because of Dimitar Berbatov. That's nice. And so I, I think like everybody here and honestly, everybody in the United States, you know, minus like a, a, literally a, a few probably pick a team because they like the way they play or they like the way the jerseys look or whatever. And I think what's important is once we picked our teams, we kind of stuck with them. And so I think being a bandwagon fan is is pretty specific to in, in my head you know, oh, I like this team this year, maybe next year I, I might follow them. I don't know. And it's fine if you want to be a bandwagon fan, but I consider all of us to be non-bandwagon just given that we've stuck with them for 10 plus years. Um, and so 
that's my little preface. I actually started following Liverpool after the 2008 Euro. And so I watched a lot of the Euro with my dad and uh, Spain was great that tournament. And I became a huge Fernando Torres fan. Just the way he played was really smooth. He was a good striker, a good finisher. Just the way he like passed the ball. I, I enjoyed the way he played. He could hold up the ball. He was fast. Um, and I was like, I wonder who he plays for. He was playing for Liverpool at the time. And I watched some highlights during the Euro and just, you know, he was great. And then I found out that Steven Gerrard was on that team and I had heard his name a lot. Um, didn't really know anything about him, but uh, I, I knew he was a good player. And so, you know, two good players. I was like, that, that I'm sold. I, I need a team to follow. I like soccer. And so I started following Liverpool. And then soon after Torres left for, uh, for Chelsea, where he wasn't very good, but that's okay. Chelsea because legend. I stuck with Chelsea Liverpool. Legend. And, uh, Chelsea legend. Torres, <laughs> Torres uh, served his purpose to, to make me fall in love with Liverpool. And so, you know, However many years, more than 10 years later, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan still. So it all worked <laughs> out. You know. So, yeah, that's how we all liked our teams and picked our teams. So um, I guess, you know, here to wrap things up, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you guys want us to cover any topics or have any questions for us, feel free to, to reach out. Uh, otherwise, hopefully we'll see you guys in less than it's, – it's been months, so hopefully less than – then the, the last September, uh, September 8th was the last podcast. Okay, but that, was, well, that was also geez. my, that was my solo podcast. So let's see oh, the, uh, the, the last group podcast would have been just probably a week or two before that. So it was probably geez, in so uh, months. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> wait, was your solo podcast after my solo podcast? It was, it was like a week after yours. Oh, okay. Oh man, it had to have been at least like, eight or nine weeks but uh hopefully we won't wait eight or nine weeks to record the next one um but thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time later the five blows